0: From Barikapod Podcasts, welcome to Dead Cinema Society, a roundtable film analysis concerned with the revitalization of cinema out from entertainment. My name is Chris.
1: All right, it's the legend of 1900 with special guest Tyler Thompson, writer, co-writer of the episodic series The Chosen about the life and times of Jesus Christ and His Disciples, first ever crowdfunded series, multi-season series. This was a great conversation. We were so thankful to have Tyler on the show. He's a true professional, great writer, and he brought some very fascinating insights to this conversation. We were so lucky to have him. So I hope you enjoy this conversation on Giuseppe Tornatore's The Legend of 1900." As you guys can see, we have a special guest here. Tyler Thompson's with us today. Hey. I feel like we're like an Oprah Winfrey show if we clap or something. Hi. Every time. Hi. Hi. Uh, Tyler! <laughs> Hi. Uh, so, Tyler, why don't you uh, just briefly introduce yourself? I know Tyler through The Chosen. The Chosen's an episodic, crowdfunded series about the life and times of Jesus Christ and his, um, his apostles. And Tyler is one of three um, elegant, beautiful, perfect writers that are part of that show. So, Tyler Thompson. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here for the show.
2: Thanks for inviting me, Yoshi. Um, did you say you wanted me to, like, just introduce myself?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just tell them, you know, briefly, like, uh, you There's know. There's
2: not I- much more to say than that. I'm Tyler Thompson. I'm a screenwriter. I, like I live it. in L.A. and here we are. I like that. And I love, I, I, uh, no. Well, that's
1: all I have <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I love, and I love you. What, I Tyler? Know. Tyler? <laughs> this is not the place for I that. I told you in Texas. <laughs> Tyler, what's your snack? Wait. What does that mean? <laughs> um, okay, well. banter, right? Yeah, banter. Um, Tyler, uh, we're happy that. Uh, so basically, Tyler reached out to me on Instagram saying, oh, I love that movie, Legend of 9- 1900. Uh, Aaron, why don't you tell the folks how this film came to be a part of our show? Well, well. I don't know who to address. Um, address the microphone a little closer to start. All right. yeah. There you go. Hello Boom. There. Your microphone's a little. I know. It's, it's been not, to war. It definitely has. This is my microphone normally. It's yeah. I've seen some shit. Okay. It's like an old
3: pair of underwear. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, this film came to me through my father. He's a professional pianist. And yeah. I was asking him like, I want some good music films. I want something, you know, composers or just like what, what as a musician, what, what passes to you? You know, like, I mean, he plays the piano. So it's like, if, if it doesn't look good to him, you know it's gonna probably turn him off. And he's gonna be like, I don't even wanna see this film. You know this doesn't look real. So something about this film really excited him and he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it, you just got to watch it. I was like, alright, let's do it. So <laughs> I, I told Yosh, I was like, hey, I think this is one.
1: Fair let's enough, and, and we like to keep things pretty dynamic on the show, so we actually had another show planned, right? We had a kind of dark show planned for our first ever live yeah. show in person. And we thought, well, perhaps that's not the best way to uh, celebrate 100 subscribers. Uh, oh, yeah, with, we are going to announce that. Too. Yeah, well, we're gonna, we'll do the... Yeah, for, for those watching, we're not doing the show live. So we're actually going to record the opening after this. Ah. So we'll do the whole subscription thing after this. Um, but, yeah, we had what? We had Winter Light, Ingmar Bergman. We had Strauss by by um, Werner, Hertog, Werner Herzog. And um, A Man Escaped by Brisson so basically our conversations would have been probably pretty cold and depressing and we wanted to keep things a little more lively for our first show in person so we decided to do a music show so Aaron's dad brought that show uh, that movie to the show and then Paul's reaction to that was to bring in the red violin which is another parental suggestion correct
4: yes it's uh, yeah it's one of my mother's favorite films when you brought up a music genre I said "I'll, I'll at least put it in the music uh genre of something we should we should watch it blends a little intrigue uh historical perspective um it is a chance to see Sam Jackson out of a Jerry Curl wig
1: and I'll leave it at that we'll discuss Okay All right cool well yeah so that's how the show the, I keep calling it the show that's how the movie made it to the show and with that said
3: how did spinal tap get here
1: Well I think um so You know, Cinema Paradiso was originally in the lineup, but then we were going to have two films by the same director, and -hmm. Cinema Paradiso doesn't really have a music theme to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Paul suggested suggested like ten other, as he will, he he had like ten cataloged ready to go, (laughs) ten films that have to do with music, and this is Spinal Tap stuck out a little bit to me as far as something that's just kind of fun and i had never seen it and jonathan who's the lead actor on the show that tyler and i are, are involved in not you chris jonathan like, Jon-
0: you <laughs>
1: and anyways andy over here um is a, is a big fan oh jonathan on my first day um, on set on the chosen. So I don't know anybody. Right. And I'm there and I'm, you know, super nervous. And it's like a huge scene with Jesus, my very first day. And, um, somehow Christ that one. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, somehow my podcast came up. I think Dallas, the director of the show brought it up. Um, and then they started quoting spinal tap in front of me. And, you know, it's my first day and I'm, you know, looking at the director and the lead of the film and I'm like, uh, the show and I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. And they do another quote and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And Jonathan's looking at me and he's like, you don't, oh, he's in his accent. So he's like, you don't know Spinal Tap? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, no, I've never seen it. And he, and I could tell that I, I, I started things off on a sour note with Jonathan mm-hmm. because he was like, yeah, you need to be, you need to know smile tap if you're doing a podcast on film so jonathan we finally got to smile tap it's arrived and we watched it um let's start it off aaron you want to you want to start since your dad brought this uh movie to the show why don't you start it up let's turn it up
3: let's turn it up to 11
1: give us your uh your spiel and your swift pull
3: all right, my spiel and Swift point. So I, I knew nothing about this film. I didn't even know that there was a little boy named nineteen hundred. So it was all a pleasant surprise. Um, it was he, fictional, Aaron. I oh, I took it as truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I He's I
1: searching the public records for someone named yeah, nineteen hundred. Like, is, is
3: this real? Is this? Yeah. Did he play violin? Um, I. I rather enjoyed this film. Um, I'm not going to say it's anywhere near a masterpiece, but uh, Tim Roth is... Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Moving mic. Um, I thought Tim Roth was enjoyable. I'm, I think this is a movie people should see, so it's going to get in like a, a good category because it's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the ride. It's not something I'm going to look back and say like how did they do that over and over like other films um but it it had some scenes that really stuck out to me especially like that piano scene where they're floating around the boat you know like that's yeah that's just an iconic moment for that film and it, it was just i don't know it was kind of fantastical and um i also love that this movie touched on what it feels like to tap into music outside of being technical like sometimes you do need to listen to music sometimes you do need to listen to what is speaking through you instead of trying to think good music mm. and that really hit me in this movie it was mm-hmm. like oh wow they actually kind of got that ethereal feel with music rather than um it being so
1: technical yeah we'll have to unpack that further that's interesting got you so Without further ado, <laughs> uh, hey Cicely, Chris. if you want to watch your man, you can come sit over here if you'd like. Watch the back, man. the back of my head. I know, I know. That's the most interesting face of the table. So, no, it's fine. It's yeah, we, we're not very professional here. That was Cicely walking in front of the camera. will
4: love it. They'll be like, well, "What's All that?" Right. Can hey. you bring her back again? Yes.
1: Yeah, honestly like will uh, be like that's the first time any of did? our fans <laughs> had any glimmer <laughs> of a feminine like energy, energy <laughs> walking by. Like, they're like we just Whoo? like
3: doubled our subscribers. <laughs> just like, <We> just <laughs> walk past. <I'm> like, <laughs> that's, 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 that's <laughs> just gonna oh, <laughs> be a pleasant commercial interruption, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yes. Here we are. So with all that said, I give this film an eight point zero. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Wow. okay. Wow. All right. 8-0. An eight oh, zero. Wow. I'm okay. feeling it. I hate going first. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, like you so can't get oh, it's, it's, it's
4: interesting because I'm watching. Time. his head went down. No, <laughs> this way on, on a note that I agreed with, and his head went like this yes. on a note I agreed with. I'm like, you're fine. <laughs> you're totally fine.
3: Okay, Aaron, who are you passing it to? I'm a little nervous. Uh, I'd like to see. I'm very curious what Yosh gave this because okay. I, I, I've seen some resistance. Now,
1: have you have you noticed the resistance? Yes. <laughs> that seeded its way into yes. our text thread.
4: Be... Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you bring your genuine persona. <laughs> <through> your <laughs> Come on. Sure... <laughs> bring no. the
1: real stuff. Bring your real selves, guys. Don't allow external f- forces to influence your rankings. Uh, it's it's a it's you know it's a struggle on the show. Everyone's always you know trying to appease the masses, no, and no, I'm man. always trying to reel them back in. Say, be yourself, man. Um, Legend of 1900. Okay. Uh, went into it very excited, very excited, um, very excited. Heard it was a good movie, best movie. Tremendous um, movie. No, love Tim Roth, so that was exciting. Um, I thought the film started off really strong. I like the fable feel. Um, I'm yet to see any of this man's work. Uh, Giuseppe Tornado. Tornatore. Tornatore. It's okay. Giuseppe Tornatore. Um. I'm yet to see any of his films, but as you guys know, I've been really looking forward to seeing *Cinema Paradiso* for since the show started. Like we've been trying to find a way to get that on the show, and for whatever reason, we can't. Um, but uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing that. Um, I thought this film had a great start, and then for me, it just uh, it fell apart about like a quarter of the way through. Um, it just it felt like it, it was a movie that had like endless hours of footage that they shot, and then they were trying to make the movie in the editing room. And they just weren't really able to pull it together, um, for, from for my tastings. Um, what else can I say without giving too much else away? Uh, I, I, again, I, I think Tim Roth acted circles around pretty much everyone in the film, which was a little off putting for me because it, I don't think anyone could really keep up with him. I think he's miscast, either miscast yeah. or misused. I think yeah, that both the film should have been oriented all on Tim Roth the whole time, mm-hmm. besides a little, you know, background story at the top of the film. Um, but more Tim Roth, I would say, would have brought this up for me. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I really just didn't like this film. <laughs> At the end of the day, I just struggled with it. And with that, um, Yosh gives it a 5.9. Oof. 5.9.
0: Okay. I didn't know there was wow. a 5.9. Wow, polarized. System. Yeah, it's a point okay. system. Ah, okay, you can divide it up.
3: Okay. 1 to 10. We've only had one 9.9. Yeah, Holy and wow. it was on our How last show. Uh,
1: Paul gave 7th seal a 9.9. Seal. Oh, it's been so long. Okay, yeah. revisit that. I think it'll... Okay, so... Um, so uh, 5.9. Uh, Aaron, yours still shows up here. So you can actually put yours in. We'll see it.
3: Oh, you put yours in?
1: Yeah, because yeah, once we put ours in, it'll actually show up.
3: Okay.
1: Um, I'm going to pass it to Christopher.
0: Hi, hi everybody. I'm in the corner. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, this movie, it, it was daunting at first because I, I saw the three-hour runtime. I saw that it was, you know, this this big, huge production by this Italian director who called it a fable instead of a film, and I was – I I went in blind like Aaron. I had no idea that, that it was about him, 1900, as a person. Same. Super interesting. The beginning was fantastic. Like, the scenes with his father, his adopted father um, – you know, leading to his eventual, you know, second orphanage. And as soon as his father was cast in the sea, I did not care about this movie. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, if if they had framed it as like, you know, this is Gatsby, where it's like you follow the other gentleman Con uh, through, or no, Max Tui was his name. He had a Con uh, trumpet. Uh, Max Tui through the movie as like a uh, Nick Carraway character of, like, seeing what he was doing and then, like, getting more 1900 that way, where you could experience it, like, we, we threw the uh, the mirror of Max Tui, but, like, the fact that there was, like, a time jump, he, like, was going back and, like, slowly revealing it as a story, I didn't really like. I thought that was kind of unnecessary. If he just did it in real time and had that that way and then a time jump after the war, it would have worked a lot better. I will say there is a two-hour cut of this movie. So I'm interested to see that in comparison to the three-hour cut that we saw. Hmm. Two hours and 47 minutes. Aaron, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> mm. uh, but I will give this film uh, what it, what I think it deserves, which is a 7.6. Ah, 7.6, that's,
1: that's fair. That is fair.
3: I thought you were going to just shit on this yeah, movie. I thought he was going miles. <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> was building up. I was like, oh, man, I really was off the mark. I will pass it to Paul. It's funny. Look at the table arrangement here. So on this side
4: judgy mcjudgy will begin to speak
0: oh
4: um no. i'm sorry what I missed that joke. <laughs> no, am i, I judgy mcjudgy no me uh, okay. it's, no it's funny I, uh, I i echo what uh chris and yoshi said uh, my first 15 minutes i didn't get the fable part so the first 15 minutes of this movie for me were oh god are you trying to put a musical in front of me and masquerade it as a movie. If so, I need to put this down because I'm already getting very judgmental and I need to go for a walk. So I went for a walk.
0: (laughs) 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 Take care of yourself. I took
4: care of myself. Thank you. Yes. I came back. I said, open mind. Um, But yeah, I think you guys have touched on it. I don't, uh, I think we'll save it for a full blown discussion. It seemed like there were two worlds happening. And again, uh, given that we have two people who work on live production, uh, you know, the, the word that you know that, that was always bandied about when I was on set was, you know, the tone meeting. And we, we went to the meeting and it just seemed like the, the foreground, uh, the Tim Roths, the Clarence Williams III, were uh, in a different movie than the background of the movie. And I really felt bad, for example, and I'll just cite this, was whoever was wrangling the extras, they seemed tonally more in the musical theatrical space than the rest of the movie. Mm. Uh, to Yoshi's point, I thought Tim Roth did act circles around us. I it was interesting looking then at his film filmography after this movie, I felt like, oh God, did he get, I'm sure there's a verb for it, but did he get skewered in some way? Did this hurt him in some way? Because huh. there really is a gap of time before he picks up like another great part. And he... Much like anyone who comes to the uh, the United States from whether it's uh, the United Kingdom or Australia, his start was playing, of course, a skinhead. Then he was in a great movie directed by Stephen Frears called The Hit or The Hitman. I can't remember, but I know Terrence Stamp was in it. it was, he was really good. He's sort of this apprentice hitman. And then, of course, Reservoir Dogs. Um, and then there's Pulp Fiction. Uh, what a way to open a movie. And... And then we have 1900. And what I would say about this movie, I'll, I'll also say about uh, Red Violin. And I will also, I don't know if we've coined this word yet, but I will, I'm going to invoke this term. It's, I'm going to call it a Scovira.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> and I can't the wait Scovira to
4: hear. is when Chris said, and I couldn't find it for the life of me, and I thought I kept it. He said, I, that's a movie I'd rather watch. I think this movie, married with another movie uh, we have discussed, We have discussed or discussing? Okay, we can edit that out. Um, I think we have two movies that could come together to create a more interesting movie. So for me, just leaving that, uh, this... What are the two movies that need to come together? Red Violin. I think think there's a hybrid movie. Yeah, yeah, there's a hybrid movie (laughs) with Red Violin, uh, which to to leak that one, I misremembered, um, and Legend of 1900. So Paul gives... Legend of 1900.
0: Hey. Hey, 6.4. Oh, wow. Honest Abe comes out at last. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It only took 19 (laughs) shows, mom. I feel comfortable in my own skin. (laughs) So before Tyler gives us his ranking, our current society ranking from this film is a solid 7.0. That's the average. That is the average between us four.
1: All right, so now it's our it's our it's finally our pro versus Joe segment of the show. Um, we the society stands at a flat seven. Tyler, pressure's on. You control the fate of the legend of nineteen hundred. Will you bring it up or will you bring it down?
2: <laughs> well, I came to this film uh, through Cinema Paradiso, which is one okay. of my top ten favorite movies, and when I was in oh. high school. I saw Cinema Paradiso, and I was like, what else has this guy done? And so then I saw 1900, and then I saw Tim Roth, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Mm. And as, like, a 16-year-old in a small town, I, like, felt like I had so many limits. Like, I, you know, wanted to, like, make short films, but, like, it was the 90s, and or the the late 90s, and it was, you know, Illinois and dial-up internet and, like, only so much, like, equipment and, and actors, and I just felt like I was bumping into walls all the time, and I felt like... At that stage in my life, the movie was like, no, you can be stuck, but, like, with the 88 keys and still find ways to be creative Mm -hmm. and make beautiful things, like, even without um, kind of getting off the boat, which eventually – yeah. Uh, are we talking? Do we give spoilers in this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But as an adult, this movie's <laughs> <laughs> been out
0: for like twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so as a, as a kid, I was like, okay, okay. You can you can you can make art on the boat. Like you you can work within the limits of like mm. this ship and these eighty eight keys, and like someday you'll have more. And then as an adult, I think what's amazing about about it to me is that it's. You know, we have these things like man versus man, man versus, that's gendered language. So like person versus monster, person versus nature, person versus uh, the system, uh, person versus self. And I feel like this movie is like person versus the unknown. And I don't know many like analogs to it. Like I, I haven't seen many films that are like person versus the unknown, this thing that they're so afraid of outside. So. Mm. Uh, that being said, as an adult, I do admit um, it's maudlin and kitschy and too long, and it's an Italian film and an Italian director shooting a film in English, and that's apparent. And that's yeah, clearly very, just very because much of the so. Tim Roth casting. Like, maybe he didn't know Italian, so they're like, I guess we'll just do the whole movie in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that gap is very evident. <laughs> that's
1: actually like the oh, only... Well, I was planning on doing <laughs> Italian the whole time, but uh, I thought you could speak Italian. Tim Roth, <laughs> what kind of fucking actor are you? <laughs>
2: right. So with that being said, um, oh no, I'm going to slow this down because my thing... Okay, here we go.
1: Do I just type in the number? Yeah, type in your name and then the number. Okay, so... Oh, okay. wait. <laughs> max von Snydow is my name
2: all right and yeah. as an adult this is adult tyler i give it a <laughs> 7.5
1: adult 7. tyler <laughs> gives adult it a 7.5 right. young yeah. I mean, yeah. tyler gives it an
2: 8 all for right. sure young where tyler it saved where are me in illinois? Where are <laughs> in illinois? uh downstate tremont near peoria okay yeah
4: are you what? from illinois yeah where
2: uh, i grew up in the chicagaland area but i uh,
4: went to school down in urbana so okay. i know uh know the area yeah you know all that yeah that's cool yeah. yeah very
1: good So, Chris, uh, why don't you take the mic back? Thank you, (laughs) Chris. How is it in the corner over there? It's lonely. (laughs) I've got a hot girl
0: next to me. (laughs) Yoshi, (laughs) hi. (laughs) He's the only one I can see on camera. All right. So the final score for the Legend of 1900, uh, with Tyler's expert ranking, is a 7.1. He brought it up a whole
1: point one. (laughs) Hey. yes so, we, yeah. give, we give our guests lots of power it's funny because actually most i think every single guest we've had the ranking has not been affected until just now and it's only a 0.1 yeah it's every every guest we've had the ranking ends up staying the same correct yep hmm. it's and weird you know, for
0: nashville Oh Nashville. right! Because, he, gave he, 10, he gave it a ten, which what? doesn't what? make Has any sense. Nash- have, have you seen Nashville? Name names, who gave Nashville
1: a ten? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, what was? Uh, what is? Uh, your, elements
3: of Nashville. No, it was elements his. Was <laughs> a ten? Not the Ma- Mason. We apologize. <laughs>
1: Mason, friend of the show, first ever guest yeah. of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, ten, man. For
3: Nashville. For Nashville. For Nashville. We can't, we can't do tens. On can't the
1: show. do tens uh although Paul did a 9.9 on the last show well, I, I, I rewatched
4: taste. it and I still feel good about my 9.9 No I yeah. I
1: will not fight you on yeah. Bergman 9.9s. Um yeah, you said something interesting Tyler uh about uh you know cuz you know when you yeah. were talking about the you know creating based off of limitations and sort of the limitations being the 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 birthing of like the special thing mm-hmm. being uh yeah. being uh born. Everyone do this the whole time. And uh, so, no, but you know, COVID, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic. So you know, we're all kind of stuck on our own little ships. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people, I'm looking at one right now across the room, uh, has you know used that time to explode creatively, and 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 perhaps I know many examples of many people. You as well. I mean. The, the the pandemic's been good for people too in that in that sense of the limitations made people just hunker down and get stuff done and and then they grew exponentially from that so that is interesting to draw that parallel to the film
2: yeah i mean it's also a film about focus like because he couldn't go anywhere like and and be distracted by anything else he just poured himself into music, and that's how he got so good at it. And it's kind of like we're so surrounded – as artists, like we're so surrounded with mm-hmm. distractions, some of them good, some of them bad. But if you have all the time in the world on your hands and just this, this one set of 88 keys, like you're going to get good at it because he's he doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't meet people.
1: Also a sort of lack of identity too because yeah. he doesn't know really know his parents. I mean his foster dad died when he was a baby, eight, mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that plays a role too, because then it's like you don't really have, uh, you know, a true upbringing. You don't, ha- you're not socialized properly, and so everything is music for you. Right. Right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I saw a lot of parallels with this movie with uh, Ex Machina, but oh, actually- 1900 is uh, the robot. Where do you remember? Not- Ex yep, Machina? Yep, yeah. Yep. So like, her world was that box and the people she interacted with and she broke free because it was her desire to get out. So it's kind of the inverse of a mm-hmm. uh, person versus unknown, right? Where person goes into unknown.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She, she, well, did. she did her goal. That was her goal. Was her goal. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But and this is what I'm saying it's the inverse. He never wanted to leave. He was very comfortable mm-hmm. staying on those ADA keys. Right.
2: And that's a huge weakness of this film mm-hmm. is that the protagonist doesn't want anything. He, yep. he, he like, like, it's man versus stasis actually it's that stasis is in ultimately going to destroy him like the inability to overcome his fear of the unknown and what might be out there he said the world is too big for me and that ultimately kills him
1: now help me out guys because i struggled with this part of the movie and uh, maybe i missed it but it felt like he was being painted in a positive light almost like a hero for not for not wanting to leave the ship but for me it was more of a cowardice kind of thing.
4: Yeah. I don't disagree with the cowardice. Uh, what, what fascinated me were these elements coming into his life that wanted to commercialize him, that there was, um, mm-hmm. that his uh, his virtuoso piano playing, or at least comparatively so for that time period. Um, cause our only comp of course was jelly roll coming in to play, mm-hmm. to give us some idea of what kind of the ragtime jazz feel is. Um,
1: So that's part of the film, by the way, for me. Yeah. Right.
3: I feel like everything came alive (laughs) for for that half hour
1: or whatever that was, And it
4: was, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Tyler, you hit it like the the 88 keys, the black and the white keys. Now, again, uh, and it was interesting because I was curious if the film was going to then make some juxtaposition because obviously we we have cornered our hero with two African-American men. Okay, great. And then an African-American man comes on the ship. And I didn't know if there would be some interplay or if, mm. if we needed to pull some symbolism out of this moment. I was worried that maybe everyone would get so excited that our white protagonist was victorious. I was like, Ugh, but mm. But uh, there was just enough of a fable, sort of this, I love what you said, kitschy. You know, my head was going schmaltzy, yeah. but not in that scene. It was, But there were elements where it, uh, somehow it was, Clarence Williams the Third, you know, sort of deftly says, Okay, I'm gonna paint myself as this arch person that you're not going to like, and it gave us all a relief, like, okay, great. We're not going to play that card. It's not a race thing. But there was like some interesting symbolism there that I thought, you know, when you mentioned the 88 keys, you know, and the the importance of adding those black keys in the history of piano making, Mm. because then that's where, you know, then the historian in me was like more fascinated with like, Oh yeah, what's going on with the piano? Like what's the, what's the piano? What does it symbolize? But I, I, they, they, I thought that he got that scene right because that scene to cinema Paradiso Mm -hmm. for me as well is those are the moments that, he captures really well as a director and I went, ah, okay. So this is where, this is where it, it uh, this is where it, it's all coming together. And then I go, oh, but Yoshi said it at the top of the show. And it was like, you know, we're talking about, you know, <laughs> they struggled in the editing room. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you guys go through on set, but I'm like, oh my God, you know, all like, what are we going to do? But let's just keep adding it to the movie. And then, um, yeah, then I got distracted and and um, I started to wonder if, if as an Italian filmmaker, because there's a gap of time from Cinema Paradiso to this, you know, to this mm-hmm. effort from him and mm-hmm. on his chronology, in between Cinema Paradiso and The Legend of 1900, are some made-for-TV movies and a horror movie, and it's mm-hmm. it's almost like I wonder if His Eminence or the Papacy said, "Okay, we will allow you to go to America, but make sure you cast. We're going to have this." Uh, seemingly, um, immaculate conception, you know, we're going to put a little boy on a boat and this, this, you know, the symbology of water and my head just started to spin because we have, these are things we discussed on this show, but, uh, uh I was very distracted, but then of course I was, my, uh, my focus was racked to this wonderful scene with the pianos. I thought it was just done with a nice soft hand. Um, yeah, and we were in and we were out.
3: So, um. But yeah that's yeah. I'd like to touch on the piano scene as well because mm-hmm. that dueling piano scene is very interesting because you guys are pointing out like cowardice and maybe like okay is fear keeping him on the boat mm-hmm. but to me this film was showing how this this is like somebody that doesn't have an opportunity to build an ego in the real world mm. like we are looking at a human being that, like he saw this duel as a chance to learn. Like like he was crying. He was like, look at how amazing he is. And he's like, no, you're supposed to be winning. He's like, but why? I, I can be <laughs> learning. I could be almost as good as him. Maybe mm. I can learn something from this guy. I've never seen somebody play the piano this way. So it's like he had no ego. He had no competition spirit it just was like i do this because i love it yeah and to see someone else do something because they love it this guy brought in the diamonds and the (laughs) the clout and the media and like oh you know it's like it's like a big ufc fight and it's like no no i'm here to learn from you like you're you're amazing and he's like okay you know it's like his last chance and he does the little cigarette thing he's like oh this guy's an asshole so like i'm just gonna kind of put him in his place. Like, let me give you really what I can do. And I just thought, I mean, it was cheesy, right? He, like, lights the cigarette with the burning strings of the piano, which was, it is it, so cheesy. <laughs> you know there was it's, a it's production a meeting and somebody went, yeah.
4: oh, this is going to be great. And he went, really? Okay. just a
3: drop mic moment. But I love, I love this film because of that. It's like this mm. guy
1: doesn't have that ego. And um, it's interesting that he chose to, um, that he, he basically just chose to mirror his actions throughout the entire duel. Yeah, like well, Tim, he wanted to see if he could do it, right? He's like, oh, that was cool. Let me...
3: Da, 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 and then he kind to add his own flair to it, too. I
1: think he knew he could do it all from the very jump. I don't think there was yeah. any doubt at all. I think he was just like, oh, you want to come in here with that machismo energy? Then I'm just going to just... you know, I'm not going to give in to the spectacle. I'm not going to give the people what they want. I'm not going to give you what you want until the very, very end. I'm just going to mirror everything you do throughout...
3: I thought it was more playful. I thought it was like kind of taking in this guy, like, oh, that was really cool. Let me do it too. And like, he would get up and be excited. Like, isn't everyone proud? Hey, I could do it too. Like we're playing together. Yeah. There was no competition. It was only like, that's, that's just something we create. Like we don't have to be competitive, but we choose to be, mm. you know, you see that in me. You're like, Aaron, you're the one one of the most competitive <laughs> people I know. And it's like, yeah, it's built into my blood. Like yeah. I play a game and I want to win, and that that was kind of refreshing to see Tim Roth not want to win anything, even with pressure to yeah. win. Yeah,
1: and you saw that mirrored towards the end of the film when he doesn't want his record to be taken off the ship. He just doesn't have any interest in it. Yeah, fame, what, money, oh, yeah. by what, like. And he has, and and that's why. You, you could say that it's not cowardice at the end of the day, which is why I asked you guys to help me out with that part. Cause I didn't really figure it out his choice to stay on the boat because it really, there's that scene there where he's contemplating it. And, and he explains to, um, you know, Vince Pryor, what's his name? Um,
3: Oh
4: yeah. We got uh, uh, Pruitt Taylor, Vince,
1: Pruitt Taylor, Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy with the eyes. Yeah. yeah. Who I generally love, but I think was a huge miscast in, in this part as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you mean fat tim robbins is that
0: tim <laughs> he, robbins he, I, for the entire time i thought he was tim robbins just mm. like tim robbins put on weight and then i looked up on imdb <laughs> and i was just like oh it's another guy because he sounds so like him he, yeah. he, he acts like him it's the whole thing he's, he's fat tim robbins
1: feel very his performance was so melodramatic i just don't i just it's kind of it was hitting the wrong keys uh, yeah, pun, pun, <laughs> oh, pun intended the
4: eyes are just well, no, he has nystagmus. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's his it's his condition. condition. <laughs> his
2: thing. Yours, but yours is not. Yours is like noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the show, is gonna be staring a, at you. <laughs> it's interesting to me that the scene that stood out to all of you was the duel, because to me, the the scene that. I can never forget is when they do make the recording and it starts out really fast. And then he oh. catches sight of that girl through the porthole mm. and the entire tone of the piece changes. And it's sort of Chopin-like and it kind of, when he can't see her, it's sort of, kind of falls down into this almost minor thing and then when she comes into the next window it kind of his emotions rise with the music mm. um that obviously that didn't really age well because then he kind of like
1: well she was like 17 when they filmed that too yeah and also and she
2: doesn't even have a name she's just called the girl
1: the girl the, the underage girl that he kisses that he while kisses she's sleeping she, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Didn't age i'm well sorry but way, what
2: yeah. yeah and it doesn't <laughs> there like two women speak in the whole movie like and she never <clears> speaks
1: <throat> at all the, so what was the what was her purpose in the film
2: well just cuz she was the thing that was going to lure him off the boat i mean mm-hmm. he was going to follow her into new york, into new york city the way he had been following her and then he and, stopped on the i on, mean on the
1: and you could you could you could you can make sense of it too mm-hmm. because you could say that he never had a real childhood well, so, yeah, he's he got, never had a so he's got so he's stuck yeah. in the naive. adolescent yeah he's, naive. he's a little
3: boy running around on a ship you know and maybe you know it's it looks weird he kisses her while he's sleeping but it's almost like a fantasy like it's truly innocent but yeah it's just like what is this like maybe he's never even kissed a girl
0: that's what i was just gonna bring up He's like he probably Mm. never had the talk with anybody because he's a child in their eyes and so he probably is coming at it from like oh you and i are children let's let's do this whole child thing together i'm gonna kiss you and see what it feels like maybe i'll punch you because i like you like I never,
1: I maybe never I'll just knock you out band. and just like you know this is yeah, it we're just playing yeah. we're just fun. I would have
3: revved it up if she just knocked him out <laughs> Yeah, but like, and then
1: there's a love story you,
3: yeah. you caught it too where
0: it's like he never truly learns anything No, because he asks Max he's like do you have any kids and he goes no and he goes well they're gonna lock you up at an orphanage soon because that's what his father taught him because <laughs> he didn't want to say what orphanages was so like I'm wondering if he was just ignorant to everything but he was just really good at piano they just didn't teach him anything
1: yeah he didn't know what an interview was yeah, right there was right. all these
2: it's like a fundamental innocence almost about yeah. him to a point but at the end of the day though i still think the enemy in this film is stasis and not like t- taking the leap like to me it's like about two stages of a creative career which maybe i'm like over personalizing it but it's just mm-hmm. this idea that like you, you start out with a lot of limitations. You're young, you're whatever, like you have, you can't drive, You whatever whatever it is, and you can be creative within that. But at some point, everyone has to like, I think we have this line in the show, every man must leave his father. Like you have to go away. Say that again? Every man must leave his father. I forget who says that. I think dad. But it's but a great line, yeah. Yeah, you, you have to, I, did you guys, have you guys done Angels in America on this? Um, no, no. But that's like the theme of that film Um from HBO is that the angel is like evil. And she, she says to the main character, like on your blood, we write stasis. She's trying to get people not to progress, not to like move forward. Um, So Hmm. to me, it's a, it's a tragedy. I, I, I'm still bummed by the ending. I, yeah, I agree with you
4: 100. Yeah. percent because I, you could almost like I, that's when I started reading into it because I know Yoshi is, if he likes a film, he's going to engage us by going, "What does this mean? Get, wrap it up in a sentence." Because then I started, then there were, uh, you know, there, uh, what came to mind was there's a virginity here, there's a celibacy, there's a celebration of celibacy. Um, what does someone do if they don't, uh, if they hold on to their art? Is that good? Is that bad? Um, I agree with you, you know, it, he is fighting, why he's fighting this, I didn't understand, especially the potency of love. And I thought, wow, mm, that was yeah. the stepping off point. And I thought, right. mm, you know, but I said, okay. But it's, it's a movie that every artist who's told by four people, you really ought to do something with your career, Aaron, watch this movie. If he is in stasis at home, I don't have to worry about him and I don't have to worry about you three. And But I know there was chapters in my life where I'm like, I don't know if I really want to do this, but a movie like this, mm will we'll certainly uh give you a perspective you know that uh, you know, to be or not to be, is, or not to be is, yeah. is
1: essentially what it comes down to i think yeah. and he chooses not to be he chooses not right to right well right. that's yeah. his choice yeah
3: i love those lines he has at the end he's like in here i have 88 keys right but out there it's infinite right mm-hmm. i'm not made for an infinite world like i can only handle this right and that's, that's i think so we sad. all get a bit of that too though right like right. you move into a big city and You're all excited, conquering the world, and at some point, it does feel, like, all-consuming and a little overwhelming. Like, what am I doing here,
1: Mm. you know? Yeah, the the just – didn't he say something about, like, the movement? It was just, like uh, – there was a line where he was talking about how out there, you know, you're just – everything's the same, really, and everyone's just kind of moving – yeah. It was, it was about It was
2: Vacations or something. Yeah. 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 It's been...
1: uh, you guys keep it going. I'm going to find that quote because that's a good quote. <laughs>
2: it was interesting to me, Aaron, that you said one of the images that stuck out in your head was the, when they were in a storm and the ship was like rocking mm-hmm. and they were sitting at the grand piano and it was like rolling all over the room and he just kept playing or whatever. That's the fable part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But to me, I actually uh, thought experiment. If this wasn't a fable, I think there's still could have been a beautiful way to do that scene where obviously we know that pianos are on wheels. Benches are not like it's the fable part of it is that the bench is like going with them. But if it wasn't a fable, if it was just like straight, like a straight story, it it could have been so subtle if the piano just kind of like rocked or like slid like a, a few feet as the ship was, you know, going back and forth. That was actually something that took me out of it. It was like, Whoa, this thing is like But I had forgotten, like, it's a fable. It's supposed to be Mm -hmm. kind of maudlin and over the top and weird. But
1: it's not your job as the audience member to have to remember it's a fable, though. I think that he could have more definitively put it into the fable world or taken you out of it. I think that it kind of teetered in and out of it, which made it a bit confusing as the audience member, Mm -hmm. perhaps.
3: Yeah, but what I do like about that is, you know, it's touching on, I mean, a lot of us play instruments here. And there is a flow state, Hmm, even as a writer, you know. There are flow states in anything you get very proficient at where you do feel like you're on a rocking where you you don't have to think about anything. I mean it is literally like you're flowing yeah, with the sea. Yeah. It doesn't matter that there's a storm like he's literally just with it and um I don't know I, I just yeah. it's a it's a beautiful analogy on flow yeah, and it's something yeah. you can't explain and even in some circumstances it can be very dangerous. I mean think of people that jump off of mountaintops, cliff tops and do those squirrel suits and stuff. (laughs) That's a state of extreme danger, but they find absolute like serenity. Oh my God. Serenity and flow. And they're just like in the best moment of their life. But most of us would just be thinking about how it could go wrong. And in that state, There's a whole, I mean, you know, you're like, oh, my God, is he going to go through the wall? Is he going to go through the glass? You know, uh, they do. Yeah, they, they yeah. do. Yeah, they actually go through the stage. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, he, but he he like embraces the whole moment. He's like, hey, get ready. You know, it's just like we're you're along for the ride. So I, I don't know. This is a beautiful. Uh, that's a very and astute observation. Yeah, yeah,
1: I like that. And, and, he, and you see that reflected in his persona throughout the film. Mm-hmm. He doesn't you know, he never succumbs to the pressure or the seriousness of, of life, he's, yeah. he's always a bit removed from it all.
3: Well, the ocean speaks to him. He says, like, everything tells me what to play. And that's very interesting, too, because, like...
1: I thought he said the ocean didn't speak to him. Remember someone's... someone's if you heard the Italian guy that walks up, he's, like, said that the ocean speaks to him. And Tim Roth is like, oh, she's, nev- she's never spoken to me before or something like that.
3: But doesn't he listen to... Like, he, he pulls all his music from watching people. Like the yeah. scene where they dissect it, it's like oh, that's a he, great scene too. He looks at people and he's like, dun, you know, dun, 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 dun and like this person, mm-hmm. oh, this is the widow that just killed her husband for yeah. The money. Yeah, this guy just stole music.
1: that suit and he's like, you know, he's uncomfortable in his suit and yeah, he's, and he's yeah, like, looking around you. suspiciously.
3: <laughs> but that's so cool because music can uh, encapsulate a vibe or a feeling or a person, you know. And I think we see that in the red violin. We'll get into it, but you know, it's like. It's very special that he is not a technical – he didn't learn the scales. He didn't, you know, do the books and the, okay, you're going to do lesson one, and now we're going to do two, and here's the harmonic scale. You know, it's like (laughs) he literally learned to just feel music, like feel it from the the ocean, from the boat,
1: from the people. The most pure approach one can take. To Mm. music, period. And look at
3: how his life – expanded from that he had no competition there was no ego like we talked about earlier Mm. i don't know it's just very it's very interesting there are a lot of things that hang up on this movie that are very cheesy and very like uh, (laughs) ah
1: tough to get by but but
3: then there is these deep waters that we're searching right. right now where it's like wow this is a very interesting metaphor for life and how we all feel at times not wanting to leave home being trapped you know oh like, am I meant for all that, you know? So.
1: No, that's really well put. Bear with me, guys. I'm going to read this quote, and yeah. then we can comment on it. So this is when he's explaining why he didn't leave the ship and never will. All that city, you just couldn't see an end to it. The end, please, could you show me where it ends? It was all very fine and that gangway, and I was grand, too, in my overcoat. I cut quite a figure and I had no doubts about getting off. Guarantee you. That wasn't a problem. It wasn't that I saw, it wasn't what I saw that stopped me, Max. It was what I didn't see. Can you understand that? What I didn't see. In all that sprawling city, there was everything except an end. There was everything. But there wasn't an end. What I couldn't see was where all that came to an end. The end of the world. Take a piano. The keys begin. The keys end. You know where the, uh, you know there are 88 of them and no one can tell you differently they are not infinite you are not infinite and on those 88 keys the music that you can make is infinite i like that well that's that's wow i like that that i can live by but you get me up on that gangway and roll out a keyboard with millions of keys and and that's the truth there's no end to them that keyboard is infinite but if that keyboard is infinite there's no music you can play you're sitting on the wrong bench that's god's piano christ did you see the streets there were thousands of them How did you choose just one one woman one house one piece of land to call your own one landscape to look at one way to die all that world weighing down on you without without you knowing where it ends. Aren't you scared of just breaking apart just thinking about it the enormity of living in it. I was born on the ship the world passed me by but 2,000 people at a time and there were wishes here but never more than could fit on a fit on a ship between prow and stern. It goes on a bit more but but.
3: Yeah. So poetic. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's Giuseppe.
2: I, or did you write it as well? I I don't know.
1: That's a good question. Let me. But Cinema
2: Paradiso feels like that visually. Oh, really? Yeah, like those words visually. Mm. But wasn't there a scene where they're standing at the back of the ship, him and Max, and he's explaining like about how people go on vacations or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't understand it. Um, well, I
3: don't it's know. It's like why? Like yeah. I go every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was written by him and. Alessandro Barico, but yeah, he, he, he wrote it um, but yeah, it's it's that sort of like analysis by paralysis idea mm-hmm. where it's like, how do you know what the right choice is when there's infinite possibilities, and he's, he's afraid and aware of entering into that type of reality where, where he knows he'll be overwhelmed like we all are. I mean, you know, how do you choose what city what new city to move to? You know, or you could be making the worst decision of your life or you could be making the best one. Um, you know, how do you choose what school to attend? What major to choose? It's just so many choices. And um, even a career. Right? Yeah, a career. Like you have a bunch of things you're
3: talented at. It's like, I, I got trapped in that when I was growing up. It's like, what do, what do I do? Oh, I like music. I like acting. I like doing all these things. Oh, I could do baseball. I could be a tennis player maybe. Like, you just get so split off. It's like, what if I was just the piano player yeah and that's my dad he's had his whole life devoted to music wow and it's phenomenal to listen to him play and he he plays like that where he goes into a flow state and it's you're watching a man walk the keys in a way that's just so effortless but like mind-blowing to think how you could do that yourself and like yeah i I just think this movie got there Mm. like it kind of Showed that feeling,
1: yeah, which is cool. Um, Love that. final, uh, oh, first of all, uh, my uh, Meister Aegon. Did anyone know aemon. aemon Oh, right, aemon yeah. Targaryen, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so cool. aemon Targaryen was the uh, um, the old guy in the, shop? the antique shop owner. Yeah. You, oh, yeah, did yeah, you yeah. watch Game of Thrones, Aaron? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Peter Vaughn. Yeah, Peter Vaughn, yep, yep.
3: Yeah, I, I personally didn't care for their acting together, but... Uh, I didn't either, yeah, I, I didn't care. One sh- part of the movie, I just was like, I I don't know who, like, where they were. It, it might have even been a directing issue. May, I don't know. It's just the acting didn't feel... felt like we were
1: warming up, except we were taking hot takes. It felt a bit it like, melodramatic, like a really over-the-top film noir. Yeah. Pruitt, Taylor, Vince, um, you know... I like I like him yeah. as an actor, but it just it just didn't films. it just didn't work for me in this one. Um Okay, any final uh comments from anyone on the film? I'm good. No <laughs> How <laughs> yeah. about uh Tyler from a from a writer's perspective hmm. Um, when you watch, did you watch this film again recently? To no, I let
2: the whole fifteen years go by. You, you haven't seen this in fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like sixteen when I saw it. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's the last time you saw it. Yeah, oh, I had like, oh. the
2: impression that it made on me, like, so, wow, so still much. sticks yeah. with you. Wow, yeah,
1: that's crazy. Um, well, generally, when you're watching films, from do you do you sort of watch it from a writer's perspective? Do you like tune in to the writing specifically, or do you, are you able to just sort of separate yourself and just watch it?
2: Um, more and more, I'm paying. Too much attention to the writing. <laughs> um, but I think that's like musicians too. Mm-hmm. I think you, you start to, you hear things that other people don't hear. You maybe make, make a note, you know. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll tell myself, Tyler, just enjoy this. Don't bring your little notebook into the movie theater. That was before the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but sometimes I would jot down like ideas, because you'll forget them. You know, you mm-hmm. hear a song yeah. and you're like, you pick something out of it that's great or you see a movie and you're like, oh, that's a great concept. But by the time you walk out of the theater, you've totally forgotten it. So my friends would get mad. They're like, can, for once, can you not bring that stupid little field notebooks, notebook? In? And, and so of they'd be like, yeah, I'll, I, I'll just let this wash over me and see what happens, you know, so that you still mm-hmm. can have joy in, you know, experiencing other people doing what you do rather than just like analyzing it and, you know, thinking what you would do differently. I think for all artists, that's a, probably a good, I, I don't know, I'm not touting like my idea here, but it's probably a good thing to move between like evaluating someone else's work who does the same thing as you, but also then just sometimes just letting yourself enjoy it without judgment, without any, you know, perspective or at all. That was one last thing I would say about this film. Yeah. I don't know that, ha- that it has a,
3: the,
2: the protagonist doesn't want anything. And then other than, other than to have kind of security and, and the safety of the four walls, if you will, of the ship. Um, but also, I don't know that this film has a point of view. That kind of stressed me out. Like, I don't know if it knew. Maybe Giuseppe knew what he wanted to say, but he sure didn't get it across clearly, because right. everyone took away something very different yeah. from this. And maybe that's the genius of it. I don't know. But I was just like, <laughs> I don't know that it 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 knows itself. I don't. I'm not. It just doesn't have anything to say. And I think if I were a studio exec, and anyone other than Giuseppe came to me, some new director or writer. My question would be why now? Like why this movie now? What, what does it have to say to us? Right. And I, Oh, a hundred percent.
4: You're, you're see, this is the, and, uh, so I can relate to you in downstate Illinois. <laughs> you know? I get your, I get your movie experience. Cause you're, because it's the same thing I asked myself. I said today, this is, there's a gatekeeper for the gatekeeper for the gatekeeper to the studio. Exactly. Saying, no, it's not, it's not coming through. Um, and, and the gap of time between *Cinema Paradiso* and this—that's that's where I was like, "Wow, it just lost a little momentum." And did he have something else, or they just didn't? Um, he just didn't feel like making it because this is all we. This happens all the time. You're familiar with this. Is like we have our European director who's now going to make his, you know, going to make a U.S. <laughs> film, and it just it, it didn't. Uh, it just hit the wrong notes for me, so, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, it, it makes sense that that it doesn't really have an intention or that doesn't really go anywhere because neither does the character he, he's yeah maybe. so the film itself is kind of deciding not to go onto land too yeah um yeah and that's why those scenes like that you were talking about in the antique shop don't really work because no we keep hearing him talk about this enigma this like mysterious person who's going to be like in so it builds up our expectations to find out to discover everything about tim ross character and we don't really discover anything. No, we don't know anything about him, mm-hmm. and that's it, it, like that's where the film fell apart. Is he's just this enigma, and he remains an enigma, like even after the movie's over. And he, he only shows up to play piano and have a few philosophical wax rants here and there. But yeah, like you said, is I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we care? Why do we care? i
2: still recommend it though because i think it has it it, it has unforgettable images like you said it doesn't have an analog i can't name a single film that feels like this the the feeling that you get watching it good or bad yeah i i can't think of any any story that's quite like like that there is an originality to it that that's why i always have recommended it to people especially if they like cinema paradiso i'm like well this is yet another like incredible original um, kind of surprise of a film that that is it's kind of a hidden gem with with all of its, you know, blemishes.
1: Yeah, with all of its blemishes worth a watch. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're like me and it's just going to frustrate you <laughs> that, that Tim Roth is not getting the space he needs to be brilliant. And the director should have given him more space to be brilliant because he's a brilliant actor. Um, any closing remarks from you guys? So... So, uh, Legend nineteen hundred gets a seven point one. Thank you, Tyler, for joining us. I have to say, without being rude to our past guests, that was very enjoyable, and and I we'd love to have you back on because clearly you know much more about movies than we do. No, 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 that was that was brilliant. Thank you for joining us. It was really fun. No, it's an honor to be here. Thank
2: thank you. Great.